Well, I tell you, the, uh, the joy of the music we've had this morning has been wonderful. It is, in my opinion, somewhat matched by the fact that you're here today. I, uh, when I hear that the weather was going to drop so low and it was going to be so cold this morning, I thought, well, I know I'll be there. But uh, I didn't know who else might be. And here you are, the bravest of the brave, to come out and fight the snow and the blistering wind. And uh, I was so thankful the weatherman had it right yesterday that we got the rain. I was so afraid he was going to be wrong and we would still be caught in this drought. And uh, Well, if you haven't already, if you would grab your study guide from your bulletin, take a clipboard and a pen from the book rack if you'd like, and uh, let's get into our discussion. Today we come to a very, very urgent, important topic. There were two things Jesus drew out. He were, was building on things that already existed, but he was showing an additional importance to and he not only showed the additional importance, but then he illustrated it in his own life. And then he went beyond to say, now, here's what I expect out of you. I expect the same thing. And that was baptism, first of all, when he went at the beginning of his ministry into the wilderness, found John the Baptist and asked him to baptize him. Later at the end of his ministry, he brought it up again. Matthew 28, 19, he said, Go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptism. And so he, he was saying, here it is. Here's the importance. This is something that represents me. When you are baptized, you're literally being identified as part of the family of God. You're identifying with Christ's death with his burial when you go under the water and with his resurrection when you come back up. And, and so Jesus is saying, this is important. I want you to identify with me in this way and, and I want you to continue this process. And so baptism was one. The other is what we're engaging in today and that is communion. In the matter of the Lord's Supper. It is certainly the case that Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, came out to his disciples and they were sitting around the table ready to have this time of, of celebration, this time of remembrance for what God had done for the children of Israel in bringing them out of Egypt and sparing the firstborn child. But Jesus now was placing a whole new importance upon it. He wanted the, the disciples to understand something far more significant than what they had originally thought. By way of sharing this with the disciples, obviously Jesus is also now sharing it with us because it's recorded in His Word. And, and Jesus gave the command, I want you to continue this process. We'll see that more as we move through our study, but I want you to continue this process. But why? Have you ever thought why? I mean, why would we take that little cup of grape juice and that little piece of, of, 
bread without yeast in it that tastes like it's been sitting out for six weeks. Why would we take and eat that little piece of bread? I mean, is really there a reason to do something so absurd in a lot of people's minds? I want you to know that there is actually a reason. In fact, there are three that we see in Paul's writings, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to deal with several verses there where Paul is talking about what Jesus did that evening that he was betrayed. What, what Jesus said that evening. And he's going to lay out for us three very important reasons why we would keep communion, or otherwise known as the Lord's Supper. He's going to lay it out for us very clearly. And so what are those reasons? If you've got your paper ready, get ready to write number one. He said, I, I'm asking you to do this and I'm commanding you to do it for a familiarization process. Number one, familiarization. Now this is the no, this is the, uh, the no process where God is saying to us through the person of Jesus Christ, what I'm looking for is you to know me better. I want you to, to get to know me better. I want you to get to know what I did for you better in a more intimate way. I don't want it to be something you hear about but not think more about. I want it to be something that you engage. I want it to be something that you understand so completely. The sacrifice that was made on your behalf. And so Jesus says in verses 23 through 25... Or excuse me, Paul rather starts this and then tells what Jesus said. He said, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus was sitting with the disciples and he had already talked to them about what was about to take place in his life. And yet the problem was the disciples didn't understand it. They didn't get it. I mean, this was, this was now something that wasn't a future event. It wasn't going to take place weeks or months into the future. It was going to happen that evening. It was going to begin that evening. And so Jesus needed to share with them, I want you to know what's happening. I want you to be familiar with what's going to take place. I want you to understand the sacrifice that I'm going to make. And so Jesus said, I want you to know a couple of things. Now, the first is one that we typically would not point out when we deal with communion. It's something that, that while it is present in the text, it's not normally something that we would deal with because it, it doesn't really flow with where we're going in this particular concept. And yet I believe it is so significant that the Bible says that when Jesus broke the bread, he gave thanks for it. Now the reason I guess it stands out to me so much this time is because of what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. 
how if we're going to be everything God wants us to be in 2019, we've got to be thankful people. We've got to show God our appreciation. We've got to show Him gratitude and thanksgiving so that He is confident that He can continue to work through us, that we're not taking the glory that belongs to Him, but we're thanking Him for what He does through us and for us. And in fact, what Paul said in Galatians and Ephesians, he said that you are to give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances. Now you think about what's going on with Jesus Christ. If you're not familiar with the story, let me lead you into it. This evening, Jesus is sitting with his disciples. In just a few hours, he'll make his way to the Garden of Gethsemane where he will pray. And there in the garden, men will approach him led by one of his own disciples. These men are soldiers and they will come with spears and with swords to arrest Jesus Christ. They will take him and shamefully treat him. They will take him before a jury that will make a mockery of his trial. And they will abuse him. They will beat him. They will jerk his beard from his face. They will spit on him, force thorns into his head. And they will nail him to a cross where Jesus Christ will die and shed his blood for us. This is what's about to happen. Jesus Christ is getting ready, humanly speaking, to face the most difficult hour of his existence, his life rather. The most difficult time of his life. Jesus Christ is getting ready to face that time. A time when he is in such great sorrow in the garden, knowing what's about to occur, that the Bible says he's literally sweating drops of blood. Intense. And yet Jesus, with these circumstances hanging over his head, pauses to say, Thank you, God, for the food. I think that's extraordinary. I think it's something to note. I think it's something to understand. It's great significance. But on top of this, Jesus wanted the disciples to know his suffering. He said, this bread is my broken body. I want you to view it as I break this bread. I want you to view it as my body being broken for you. And as you take the cup, I want you to pay the price of the rebellion you've committed against God. I want you to understand the significance of what, you did, what, what I have done and what you are doing in this time of communion. I want you to know more. I want you to familiarize yourself with these circumstances. And interestingly enough, that same thought process applies to us. That Christ wants us to know. What an opportunity to become familiar with Jesus Christ. To know Him more. To walk in greater intimacy with the Savior. A week and a half ago, I had the privilege, the honor of performing a funeral for one of my friends. And Juanita, I'm sorry to bring this up, but there's a song that you had played in the funeral that was simply amazing. I, I quite honestly, uh, when we got to the car after the funeral or to the truck, Melinda said, did you, did you hear the words to that song? 
And I said, no, I really didn't. I was focusing on what I was going to be saying next. And I really didn't pay attention to what the song was saying. She began to tell me some of the words in that song. Right now, for the life of me, I can't remember who sings it. I don't remember the title. She later read the, the, the words of the song to me. She found it on the internet. And there was one part that jumped out at me both times. It was the part that she specifically was, was drawing attention to. She said that the song says, and I don't know that I'm doing this word for word, so give me a little leeway here, but the singer said, I looked into the eyes of my judge and I saw my Savior standing there. Now to me, that's incredible thought. I mean, it's just such an incredible concept that the time is coming when we will stand before Jesus Christ, the one who spoke creation into existence, the one who died for us, the one who has every right to look at us and point us out and say, no, you are a sinner. I condemn you to eternity in hell. Condemn you to face the judgment of Almighty God forever. And yet for those who are in Christ Jesus, those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we will look into the eyes of the judge and what we will see is our Savior standing there. The one who said, by my stripes you are healed. The one who welcomes us in as if we were righteous all along. The one who took our sins so that we might claim His righteousness. And now He is calling for us to know Him more. To enter into a familiarization with what He has done for us. To come to a place to where we get it. We understand it. What an opportunity. The second thing you would put on your sheet is that why would we engage in communion? Why would we take the Lord's Supper? It is for proclamation. Proclamation. This is the part that's all about show. Show. S-H-O-W. Show. Now I know for some of you who are very studious, you're, you're listening to that and you say, proclamation is a verbal expression Show is an action. It's, it's something you do. The two do not mix. So you really can't say that the proclamation is showing something. And yet, I want to prove to you that that's exactly what Jesus Christ is calling for us to do. Notice, if you will, verse 26. He says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. What an expectation. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. So Jesus here is giving us the decree. He's giving us the command that we are to now continue this process. That we are to take the Lord's Supper. That we are to engage in communion. He says as often as you drink it. In other words, don't do it one time and think it's over. No, I want you to do this on a regular basis. And... I want you to do it for some very important reasons. 
So Jesus told the disciples, He said, I want you to do it to proclaim my death until I return. Jesus Christ is coming back someday. What, a, what an exciting time. But until then, we have a responsibility as children of God to proclaim the death of Jesus Christ until He does return. You say, well, I still don't see how proclaiming His death is a show. It's something that we're showing. It's something that's visible. Well, in fact, what Jesus has asked us to do is pretty much as a congregation to engage in a silent sermon where we take the Lord's Supper, we take the bread and we take the cup and, and through taking the Lord's Supper, through taking communion, we are proclaiming that Jesus Christ has died without saying a word. Through our actions, we are showing that we have faith in what God said took place in the life of Jesus Christ, in His death, His burial, and His resurrection. There are a lot of people who want to adapt that. They want to soften the suffering of Christ. They want to say that, that maybe Jesus didn't really die. He got close, but He didn't really die. And that's the way they saw Him alive later. Others who just want to do away with the resurrection altogether. And yet, we are stating by taking communion that we have faith that what Jesus Christ did is exactly what God says in the Bible. We have a time of communion, and we take this action to proclaim, to, to preach a silent sermon to anyone who will listen, to anyone who will watch what's happening here today, that we believe that Jesus died in our behalf, that He had His body beaten so severely, Psalm 22 says He barely looked like a person. That Jesus suffered this shame and this agony for us. And we believe through our demonstration, we're showing it to everyone who is watching, that Jesus Christ literally shed His blood to pay the price of our sin, to pay the price of our rebellion. We believe that what He did on the cross was done for us. For us. And so he lays out this expectation. I want you to proclaim my death. I want you to show it through communion until I return. The third thing you would put on your sheet is not only was this about familiarization and proclamation but it's also, number three, about examination. Examination. Why would we take the Lord's Supper? Examination. Maybe you would say, well, I understand parts one and two. I understand that we need to be more familiar with Christ, that He wants us to know Him. I understand that He wants us to proclaim His death, that He wants us to show what He's done for us, but Examination? I mean, what's, what's that all about? This morning, our daughter and son-in-law and grandson 
loaded up the car, and they headed back to Wilmington, North Carolina. And the, the great blessing for us is that they had been here, Cameron and Colton especially. Luke had to work out of town, so he wasn't with us the whole time. But for nearly a month, and so we got to have them here for nearly a month. During the course of that month, excuse me, during the course of that month, our little grandson took everything that he owned and moved it from place to place to place to place. And he's good at hiding things. We were looking for his milk one day, and we knew he had just had it in his hands. We knew it. And so it had to be there somewhere. Cameron and I literally combed the entire house. And it wasn't until about 30 minutes later when I opened the cabinet door that I found his milk sitting on the bottom shelf of the cabinet. And so what did we have to do? <clears throat> we literally had to examine the whole house. <laughs> we had to go through the house with a fine-tooth comb to make sure we found everything that belonged to him. Because I tell you what, they live with the stops they have to make with a year and a half year old, a year and a half year old, one and a half year old, I guess. It's, wow, that was harder than I expected. <laughs> we had to make sure that, that uh, everything they needed was in the car because they're 10 hours away. They're not just going to drive back tomorrow and say, oh, I forgot, I'm going to pick this up, you know. And so we went through the house and we were looking for everything. What Paul is calling us to is something very similar. That we are getting ready to engage in something that is so significant, something that is so important. And he wants for us to have a time of examination. And we search our lives. We don't leave anything out. We search every area to find that which does not belong. For a child of God, one who is part of the family of God, we know that sin does not belong in our lives. And so we search it out. We look for it. And when we come across it, we, we deal with it appropriately. Appropriately dealing with sin in our lives is that we confess it to God. We don't try to hide it anymore. We tried to cover it up from other people, but God sees it anyway. So we confess it and then we forsake it. We turn from it. We quit running back to it. We turn away from it. And Paul was saying, I, I know that there are things in our lives because we're human. None of us are perfect. And so we have to do an examination. We have to deal with these things. And you may say, well, why would, why would we do that? I mean, really, why, why would we have to do that? Is, that? is that really that big of a deal? I want to give you three reasons why that is a huge deal. Number one, why would we do it is just plain obedience. As part of the family of God, we are to have lives that are similar to God. We are to live in purity. And so if there are things in our lives that are impure, then we are to deal with those things. 
And so obedience is number one. Number two is just, just simply cleaning up our lives. And David made an, a very significant statement when he said, If I regard impurity or unrighteousness in my life, the Lord will not hear me. In other words, if I allow sin to exist in my life, that becomes very problematic because it interferes with my communication with God. And so as a result, I've got to deal with that sin in my life. David in Psalm 139 verses 25 or 23 and 24, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my anxiety. See if there's any wicked way, any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. And so we would do it for obedience sake. We would do it to clean up our lives so that our prayers are not hindered. And then number three, we would do it for self-protection. Self-protection. You may listen to that and say, well, now that's, that's kind of unheard of. I mean, me examining my life is a self-protection method. <laughs> and the truth is, yes, it is. And in fact, it's a very, very important one. Paul tells us in verses 27 through 31, Therefore, Whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And listen to this. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason... Many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Wow. So is it important that we examine ourselves? Is it important that we enter into this without sin in our lives? That we examine every, every area of our lives and we, we confess it and forsake it? Oh, yes. So important. So why would we take communion? We would take communion to familiarize ourselves with Jesus Christ. To know Him. What an opportunity. We would take communion in order to proclaim the death of Jesus Christ till He comes. To, to show those who are here what we believe about Him. What an expectation. And we would take communion as a time of examination, a time to, to get our lives right with God so that we can grow in our relationship with God, so that we can know Him better, become more intimate with Him in our journey with Him. What a motivation.
And so we bring this part of the service to a conclusion with an opportunity for us to examine our lives. You know, honestly, this is between you and the Lord. What I've done between me and God is between us. Now what you need to do between you and Him is between you. One thing I would ask, if you do not know Christ as your Savior and you would like to, and while others are just quietly praying and examining their lives, then I want to give you an opportunity just to come and meet me here at the front. And you can just say, you know what, I'd like to know a little more. That's all you have to say. I'd I'd just like to know a little more. We're not going to pressure you. We're not going to force you into anything. But we would love to share with you some additional information about what Christ did for you to make salvation possible. If you'd like to know more about that, then while everyone else prays in just a second, would you just come and meet me at the front? Would you do that? So now, let's go to a time of examination. Would you bow?